Are your employees empowered and excited to represent your brand? Are they your best advocates, your best ambassadors? Being a brand ambassador is something of a buzzword these days, whether we're talking about influencers who are paid to use their platform to promote a company, whether we're talking about turning customers and clients into raving fans, or whether we're talking about employees and the way employees talk to each other and the public about your company and about its work. It's something that gets a lot of attention, but it's also difficult to execute in a thoughtful way. Here to talk about this issue is Abby Fink, Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations. Hi, Abby. How you doing? I'm doing well. What's on your mind? You're a communications pro. Communication goes in all directions. This issue of employees is a particularly interesting one. What are you thinking about? A couple things have come to mind recently. You know, the, the conversations amongst all types of employers over the last um, several months has really been the difficulty in finding good quality employees, right? We've, we are all struggling with bringing in enough people to do the work that we need to do. But I'm struck by the fact that although we may need people, it's so important to get the right people in our in our workplaces, because these are the folks that are really customer facing. You know, in a lot of cases, these are the individuals that are going to be the first opportunity for a potential customer or client to interact with you, with your business and with your brand. And and who better to be your brand ambassador than the people that work for you? And so as a, an employer and as someone who manages, you know, internal communications for not only my own company, but for others is we really have to be thinking about how we empower our employees, not only with the skill to do the job, but really what it means to represent our company and how the way they act and interact really is a testament to what kind of business we are and what we want to be. And I've had a few experiences over the last um, couple of weeks where that's really been driven home. Customer service type situations or what was going on? Yeah, you know, I, I've I've got on an airplane recently. It was kind of exciting. I had a couple business uh, trips in the last week or so. And, and so, you know, started to be out there again and, you know, on and interacting in restaurants and hotels and with um, conference services folks and really just watching them represent you know, the, the companies that they work for. And, and these were well-recognized brands that, you know, hotels that I was staying in. And really how an expectation is, uh, are we walking with a, a, a predisposed expectation of what a business should look like because we recognize the brand and we elevate what we expect to have happen because of how they put themselves forward out in the community and um, how really handling a situation or not handling it can really alter the way that we, you know, think about certain things. And so, you know, there, you know, we're, the, the, the hotels and restaurants are understaffed. There's clearly no doubt about that. But as we go in as customers, we need a little bit of patience as well. You know, we have to recognize that maybe our expectations need to be um, tempered a little bit and and honor and, and respect what is happening. But how an employee handles a particularly difficult situation or how they handle praise when an, a situation is good really can change the dynamic of how we think about that particular organization. Years ago, I've mentioned it several times, I worked for a number of large international NGOs, humanitarian relief agencies, working in some of the 
biggest conflict areas of the time. This is between 2003 and 2005. And as a communications person, as a media spokesperson, as a internal comms policy advisor with an organization that had affiliates in 18 different countries, it seemed like everybody on our internal email threads, as we tried to work out our messaging and our talking points and respond to specific moments in these conflicts, everybody wanted to weigh in and everybody had to kind of edit the top line message. And then we agreed, these are the three things that we can say publicly. And there was a lot of as you find in any large organization, for-profit or nonprofit, there was a lot of hand-wringing about getting it right. And also about who controls the message, who's authorized to speak. And the reality is every single day, people in the countries we worked in, whether they were what we called beneficiaries, the, the population we were serving and helping in this extremely difficult conflict, they interacted with our program managers, our water engineers, our community educators, our hygiene specialists, and their interactions with those people was just as much the brand as what made it onto BBC News when I was speaking. A brand could be deeply damaged by the actions of one particular employee, let's say a program manager in a particular region of a particular country. So, who owns the communication? Whose job is it to get it right? How do you make sure that your line employees, the people interacting with your customers or clients or beneficiaries in our formal language of the aid world, how do you make sure they're on brand? There's a lot to unpack in that little statement you just made right there. So let me let me look at it in a couple different perspectives. The key messaging official spokesperson kind of role, right? That is the individual on your team that is 100% responsible for putting forth information about your organization. So by your example, the person standing in front of the microphone during interviews is, is the spokesperson and has been empowered with that responsibility. But you are absolutely correct that there are many, many more individuals within an organization that may not have the title spokesperson, but are interacting and engaging and representing your organization and may not have all of the benefit of the bullet points and how we say things and what we need to do. And so there's this interesting um, dichotomy, I think, between those of us that have the official responsibility of doing it and then those that assume it based on on the job that they're they're doing. And really what it comes down to is, for me, whether you have the title spokesperson or not, you are a representative of our organization. And so arming you with the proper information and giving you the tools to do it, but really the the to me it's also about giving the trust and confidence that you can do it and you will do it appropriately and that as your supervisor uh, boss whatever title you want to give i will support how you do that as long as you abide by the guidelines of our organization right so it, it you know, we all make mistakes. There are things that are considered illegal in mistakes. And there are those where I misstepped and said something I shouldn't have. And so I think there's, we, where I really want to get to is this idea that we have so many people within our organization that 
want to and should represent who we are. And we have to give them the tools that they need in order to be successful at doing that. So if you are, by using your example, someone that is out in country providing service on behalf of your organization, how you act, how you interact, what you say is equally as important, maybe even more so important than the person that is is standing in front of the podium with all the microphones in front of them, making the official statement that they've had time to prepare and vet through all the people that that typically do that. And, you know, some of the greatest examples of, of you know, co- sort of that customer service philosophy or or make it happen at any cost is really what engages us with that that brand. Now, these are these are buzzwords that we use now. I mean, I don't know that we would have talked about those you know, 25 years ago, you know, some of the famous stories coming out of Nordstrom, for instance, about, you know, just make it happen. You know, the customer, I, I, whether the story is true or not, it is, is stood the test of time. But the customer that brought back tires to Nordstrom and this, this that we don't sell tires. Well, I bought them here. Well, what the gentleman had bought them at a store that used to reside on that property where now Nordstrom is, and that manager took the tires back and and that's customer service. That's walking and talking your brand. And there are countless examples of of when that's happened. And and it can be whether you are a small business or large, you know, you know, national brand, what we put forth as as the employee in the interaction with the customer can completely change how we think about that particular organization for the good and maybe for the not so good. So we really need to give our teams the tools. And that comes from how we bring in those folks, how we onboard them, what we provide them in order to make sure that they do the kind of job we want them to do. It's impossible to have employees communicating in an empowered and effective way if they're profoundly unhappy if their work environment occurs to them as oppressive, whether it is or not, whether uh, if they don't feel like they have the autonomy to make their own decisions and actions without running it through layers of bureaucracy. So the tools that you're referencing and the processes like onboarding are super important, but the people also have to be flourishing or they're not going to have positive communication to share with others. They're going to have complaints that they either speak or suppress, but neither one of those is good. And certainly in today's workplace, you know, those that that idea is probably even more important because we are seeing teams of individuals being pushed to the limit. They are they're being asked to do things that might be outside of the normal um, business day. The the interactions are highly charged with all the things that are going on regarding, you know, still regarding COVID protocols and and things like that. So they're they're being asked to do things that might be outside of, you know, really what they intended to do for their position. And that really is a responsibility of leadership within an organization to really to recognize that and then to put forth action that demonstrates we honor and respect what you're going through and we want to be able to give you what you need to be successful. And so, you know, when we talk with our clients, it's, it's, there's so much about creating a, a, a workplace that best places to work mentality um, that goes way above the idea of pay them more or give them, you know, bonuses. I mean, it's so much more than that. 
one of the sessions I attended at a conference actually um, was one of the panelists was on this idea of creative compensation. And we can get into that in another time, but it's our, our team members want more than the paycheck. They, they want an environment that they, they thrive in. They want engagement. They want an experience that when I'm spending eight, 10 or 12 hours in a, in a workplace that I enjoy it, that I feel respected and that I feel like I'm being a contributing member of the organization. And so if we, you know, it's a fine line. I mean, you don't want them, you know, running all over the place and, and, you know, changing, you know, business practices, but you do want them to be able to take the information that they have and measure that against whatever the current environment is and say, this is the right decision to make. And I know that my manager, my boss will back me up if I proceed down this path because they have given me all the tools I need in order to make that decision. You know, and it, it can be a simple thing like, you know, we ordered a Coke in the restaurant and they said they had no Coke. Nowhere, anywhere in the building is there a Coke product? Apparently not. But instead of saying we have no Coke, the answer should have been, I'm sorry, we do not have that, but can I offer you something else? And then move it forward, right? So there's this this way of handling things that changes how we interact as the customer and then how that plays out with our understanding and our belief about that particular organization. And for leaders, whether you're managers, directors, VPs, or executives, I think it's important to confront the reality that the culture, the environment, which is conversational, Fundamentally, culture is not the foosball table, the beanbags, and the unlimited cereal bar. Those are perks. Those are comforts. Culture is conversations. It's what people say to themselves and to each other when nobody else is around. That culture starts from the top. And if there's a toxic culture at the end that's touching customers, you have to own that as your failure to create an environment that nurtures people. Or coaches them out. Well, I mean, both are both are valid. I'm not saying you have to put up with everyone's extreme toxic bad behavior. In fact, one of the best things you can do for culture is show the door to people who are unwilling to play by the, the rules. But because culture is conversational, it means that how you elevate the culture of your organization also starts with conversations. Just like it doesn't matter what's in the brand book in the binder on somebody's shelf, it doesn't matter what the spokesperson is prepared to say in front of the microphone. If the frontline staff are speaking in ways that negatively impact the brand, that is the brand. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what's in the book. The brand is the experience people are having. How do you change that? How do you elevate it? You have to change the conversation and that has to happen internally. You have to start talking to people and probably more importantly, listening to people in order to actively discover and shape the culture, the conversational environment of your company. And that means you have to invest time. We don't need another, I mean, sure, another snack machine or something like cool, but that's not the investment that needs to get made. When you're investing in people, we're talking about time and we're talking about communication. Right. And you realize that we spend the vast majority of our 
time is spent in the workplace. And the workplace, as we know, has evolved and changed dramatically over the last 18, 19 months. And so, you know, foosball tables and, and you know, ping pong Fridays may not happen anymore because we don't have a place for those to happen. And so you are 100% correct about this idea of the conversation. And what we miss is that dialogue. You know, if if I'm the business owner, again, big or small, it doesn't matter. But if I'm the business owner, I have a vision of what I want my company to look like, I, what my customers will be, what our product line will be, the type of people that I want to have working with me. And I create that, you know, I go out very intentionally to create that. But I, it's more difficult to ask that question, what do you want if you come to work with us? You know, and, and you know, it's, I, and I tell this to um, the the young up and coming professionals that I meet with, you know, getting ready to graduate and such is you need to be interviewing us as much as we're interviewing you when you're going, you know, seeking a job opportunity. What what do we represent for you? And if it's workplace culture, what do you need to have to make this be the place that you want to be? Can you see yourself here? And so conversation has to be give and take, right? We have to put it, you know, put the information out there, but we have to listen back. And I think where, where a lot of us, you know, sort of stop is that, you know, this is my vision. This is my company. This is what I want. And this is what you will do. Well, yes, but if I'm going to be working with you, working for you, can I bring my personality to this conversation? And, and this is my thought. This is what I would like to see happen. Given this circumstance, this is how I might consider addressing it. And we as the business owner have to be aware of that and take that in as well. Some of the best ideas are are not going to come from me. They're going to come from the people that are out there actually interacting. And so this goes back to this idea about, you know, who is out there representing your business, your organization, and and what are we doing as as the the employer or the business owner to make sure that they are representing us in a way that is something that is is aligned with our culture. And it may not be the way I would have handled a situation, but is it the right way for the circumstance? And the the interesting part about that is when we allow that to happen, when we give the space for that to happen, we actually are creating a happier employer, employee, a happier workplace. We are creating uh, additional support in our from our client base, our customer base, because they were treated correctly. And so whatever guidance it is that we put out there, it has to le- be able to evolve based on circumstances and what is in front of us at that given time. And and the I think the best thing that a, a, a business owner or a boss does for its their team is giving them that opportunity and saying and meaning it, I've got your back. Take care of it the way, the best way that you think you should. And we'll, we will be together for whatever the circumstances are as the outcome. And there's, I think, no better culture than creating that opportunity for your teams. There's a saying that people don't buy from you because they understand what you sell. They buy from you because they feel understood I think that saying could be translated right into the heart of this conversation as practical guidance for business leaders, for managers, for others. Your employees don't represent your brand well because they understand what your company does. 
because they've internalized the talking points, the mission statement and all the rest. They will represent your company well when they feel understood, when they feel at home, when they feel they belong, and when they feel authorized to be themselves and to communicate openly and fully. It's not an issue of controlling the narrative. It's an issue of empowering the people so that they flourish, so that what they naturally say, whether it's the exact sentence structures that are in the brand book or whether it's their own way of communicating it naturally, will be an expression of what your organization is really all about. And that they will be supported in that endeavor, right? That what we as the management team put out there is you have the ability to do this and we will support that. Here's who we are. Here's our vision and our mission. Now you go out and figure out how to live that and make that come, you know, come to life for our, for our customers and our clients. And we often forget about our internal communications when we are doing that. We are so focused on externally, what do people think about us or people know about us? What are they reading about us in the paper? What do they see about us on social? What is our advertising strategy looking like? But we forget about this critically important part of our of our communications is is the people we have right there within our four walls or within our screens, wherever it is that they might be working. And we can't forget that group of individuals, those internal message deliverers, right? Whether they are the ones that are supposed to do it or the ones that do it by the nature of how and what we've hired them to do for us are so important. And, and, you know, and I know, I know it from my own sake when I I have I have to take a, a step back sometimes when I'm about to say something to an employee that may not be in in you know because I'm frustrated or upset or something hasn't happened and I have to remember they've got a direction and they are doing their best to you know fulfill on that and may not have been given the power to do something other than you know, what's in the the guidebook that's under the the desk. And so it, it requires some, you know, some rethinking of the way that we do what we do as as the customer as well in, in terms of our interactions. But if you think through some experiences that you've had, um, and it, even if it's a great experience, why was it great? What was it about that particular, you know, engagement that that set it set it aside and said that was I really enjoyed that experience. And then those that might not have been up to your expectations, but how were they handled? And were they able to fix, change, alter, whatever that was? And so that you your outcome may not have been what you had intended it to be, but you were satisfied with the outcome. And that is where we really should be focusing as, you know, as business owners and as communications professionals that are advising our teams about what we need to do is you are our best advocate. You will always be the person most available to us to represent our organization. And have we given you everything you need in order to be the best advocate or ambassador for our organization? And if we haven't, we need to go back and rethink, you know, what are we giving? What are the tools as leaders to our, to our teams to make sure that they have what they can have and need to have to be as successful for themselves and ultimately for us as they represent us out there. 